chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1. After the book of Galatians and before the book of Colossians. Amen. Today we're going to uh, just open and uh, set down a foundation to, I believe, can actually change the way we do life as believers. And so many of us really don't understand the riches that we've been given. So uh, this is the first part, and then we're going to go into it for the next several weeks in, uh, together. So that you may know. So this is where we're getting the title, but before I go there, we're going to put up uh, verse 17, 18, and 19 before us here tonight, today. But I want to pray. I want to pray exactly what we're going to be hearing today. I'm going to pray uh, specifically that God would give us the spirit of wisdom and understanding, that he would enlighten our hearts so that we can dwell in that place of really getting that revelation that we need. Because when that revelation comes, it's a game changer. It is something that comes from within that affects us and changes us from within. So that's what I want to pray today. I want to pray in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we come to you by the authority of the name of Christ. We come to you knowing, Lord, that without you we are nothing. We come to you knowing, Jesus, that you have did everything for us, that everything was accomplished on the cross, and now we just have to learn this, live it, and understand it. God, we know, Lord, that you want to do a great thing amongst us today, so we ask that you would come, Holy Spirit, to anoint, to open, to deliver, to do all that you do best. God, we just are not doing church today. We've come to get an encounter with you. I ask for the manifest presence of the Lord to come today to touch us in ways that we've never been touched before. God, I ask for the impossible. I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come today in Jesus' name. I pray, God, for an enlightenment of the heart for each and every one of us, Lord, that we would not just sit there and just listen to a word, but the word would just penetrate our hearts. Holy Spirit, I'm asking for a move of the spirit this morning. Open heaven for us, Lord. Give us grace to hear and grace to obey. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen? Amen. I, again, want to thank you again for praying. God has done a wonderful work in the last uh, week and a half, me going, going away to teach young people, the next generation, this exact thing about our identity and our, what we have received in God. And truly, we have not even touched even the, the, you know, sometimes, you know, we, we, we take away that, that ice from the, the car, not knowing that there's still some stuff going on inside the car, and we shave it away, and that we still realize there's still other things we need to do. And it's the same thing when it comes to the knowledge of God and the knowledge of Christ and what that offers us as believers. Today, if you are a believer in the Lord, you are given something rich. You are given something glorious and this is what we're going to hear and this is what he says in Ephesians 1 17 to 19 he says this here I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance 
in the saints. And then he goes on, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength. And in the other part, verse 20 says, that was exerted in Christ. So it was the same power that was exerted in Christ to rise him from the dead. Lives within us. So he prays that we know him better, that we would know the hope of our calling. Now, the knowing word, it means actually to experience, to behold, to actually ponder, ponder what we have, to perceive something. The word uh, called means he's inviting you in. And all of these words, when you start breaking them down, he's actually doing something. He's asking us to remember. He's asking us, he's inviting us to behold something that we might have just glossed over. Something that we might have just read and not really understood for us as believers. So when we continue on the verses beforehand, and because of time, I would have actually read the whole chapter. And you need to. We're going to read a whole lot of it, but you need to go back and read all of Ephesians and all of Colossians if you really want to know about the glorious inheritance. It all tells us about that. Now, verse 15, he tells us something. He starts off with, therefore. This is the verse before this. Therefore, and whenever we see therefore, that means that all that Paul is asking of us here, all he's praying for, he means that every information before verse 15 needs to be noted. It needs to, we need to go back and see what they are telling us because Paul is praying for something. And maybe you need to understand that Paul at this particular moment, this was, this was a letter that was sent. Paul went to see the, the, uh, the Ephesians, the Ephesus church. He actually see, saw them twice. The second journey of his mission, his missionary journey, the first time he only passed by. He didn't spend a whole lot of time. He touched base with people and then he left because he, did, he was doing the Roman Empire. The third journey that he did, he stopped by in Ephesus again. And this time he stays two and a half years with this church. And when he left, the church was so founded in sound that we know of it through the book of Revelation. 30 years later, he speaks of this church that they stay in faith. They were in faith and in love, but something had happened. So 10 years later, after he leaves the church that he was in for two and a half years, well, two and a bit, he leaves the church. 10 years later, he's hearing of their faith and love, but he's also hearing that something has shifted. Something has been forgotten. So he writes this letter, the letter of Ephesians. And there's a theme in this letter because every book of the Bible, there's a theme. The book of Genesis is the book of beginnings. The book of Galatians is the book of liberty. The book of Matthew is the book of the kingdom. The book of Ephesians is the book of God's glorious riches for those who believe. Sorry, I'm really passionate about this. No, I'm not going to say sorry for that. My goodness, when you get this, you will see differently. You will act differently. You will live differently. You will love differently. You will forgive differently. Something fundamentally has happened when we came and we became born again. I'm going to show you this today. But when we know this glorious inheritance, it shakes the very things that we do. So God has made us rich 
in Jesus Christ. When we were born again into God's family, you were born rich. Now, I'm not talking about the temporal stuff because some of us have a whole lot of that stuff and we're dead. Some of us have a whole lot of nothing and we're still dead. And so it has nothing to do about those things. So here he says here that when we're born, he says, through Christ, you share the riches of God's grace over your life. God's glory, God's mercy, and the unsearchable riches of Christ is ours. Our heavenly father is not poor, but we act like he is. He is rich and he has made us rich in his son. But too many Christians today, all over the world, not just here, because I get to see it, because I have the awesome privilege of going elsewhere to meet up with my other sisters and brothers all over the world. They're everywhere. Too many are living in poverty. The Bible tells us that we believers are rich beyond measure in Jesus. So why do so many of us, are, why are we so spiritually poor? Now, the scriptures and the commentary says it's because that we might have, we, we remain blind to this truth. Because sometimes when we embrace lies that we believe that God's never going to answer or God can't do this for us or God can't provide and God can't protect, when we believe the lie, then we become blind, don't we? We become blind to the very things that is already ours because Jesus already did that work. And so now, even though that we come to church, we might be misinformed or we might be unmindful of our true wealth in Christ. Sometimes we live in spiritual poverty or as beggars because we focus on the mechanics of Christianity instead of the relationship to the Lord. So we focus on the doing stuff and we totally forget that we're living in relationship with the very presence of God in us. The life of Christ is in us. That's who we relate to every day through the Holy Spirit. And so we find ourselves that we might not know who we are. We might not understand that great incomparable riches and power that is ours. I know this to be true because so many of us are defined by our circumstances. Not enough money and you are walking in anxiety for weeks. If you feel like your children are doing something they shouldn't be doing, instead of standing in your authority and praying and asking God strategically, believing that his power is much greater than what my children could do, if I believe that God can move upon them at any moment because he's the God who says in Genesis 1-1, I've created the heavens and the earth, can he not do these things for us? If we're anxious and fearful, can he not break these things in our lives? Beloved, I'm here to tell you, you are rich beyond measure. But we live as beggars. The sad fact, though, is that many of his family all over are not aware of these riches and that are theirs through Christ. And they have not bothered to open the word of God and look and seek out these unsearchable riches. Now, you and I know, if I told you that I accidentally went in your background with a detector and I detected there was a treasure in your backyard, you would do pretty much everything to get whatever was in the ground. Would you not? Well, I'm going to tell you about riches that never perish, they never tarnish, they never go away. And so many of us, we don't understand that when we don't spend any time in the Word, the Word is about us coming to that place of learning. 
That place of perceiving, beholding, experiencing something than just church. I don't know about you, but I never just wanted to do church. I wanted to experience God for who he was wherever I go. Church seems to be a good place because we all come with one accord, one mind, one spirit, one God. Whoa! And so we can actually speak of the God things because everybody's on the same page. So we are like a newspaper publisher called William Hurst. I don't know if you ever heard about him, who invested a fortune collecting art treasures from all around the world. One day, Mr. Hurst found a description of some valuable items he felt he must own at all cost. So he sent his agents abroad and everywhere to find and purchase them for him. After months of searching, the agent reported that he had finally found the treasures. They were in Mr. Hurt's very own warehouse. There, somebody got it. Hurst had been searching for treasures he had already owned. He failed to look at his actually warehouse report to find out that he already had those treasures. If he had just read his catalogs, he would have figured it out. But he had not, he had not and therefore he had spent much energy and resources to try to get this, re, re, uh, this treasure, as we do. We put our resources and our energy in a whole bunch of things to get fulfilled, to try to get relief from the pain and the wounds and the fear and anxiety. We put a lot of resources everywhere else, our energies everywhere else, our focus everywhere else, our affections everywhere else, but not in the very word of God that could show us what is already yours. That you may know. No Christian has to live as spiritual beggars. When God offers spiritual blessings beyond all imagination, it was that kind of Christian that Paul was writing to because he had heard that certain things were happening and they had failed to remember. They became unmindful of the very treasure, the very riches they have in Christ, and they made it about what they were living and what they were feeling more than what they already had. And the fact is Paul writes this letter to remind them Because I believe, like the Ephesians, we are in danger of claiming transformation from Christ, yet not living transformed lives. We can speak on a whole lot of things, beloved, but our lives are telling other people something differently. Wormsby says this, Wormsby says this, if the world can't see anything different in your lifestyle before Christ and after Christ, the problem isn't with Christ, it's with us. It's with us. Spurgeon called, he wrote a book called Checkbook on uh, the Bank of Faith. And he says, and he describes each promise as being good, as good as money in the bank to anyone who claims them. He said, it is by faith. Just like we write checks against the account, our our bank account, but our spiritual account, unlike our real account in the bank, is never empty. It knows no limits because it's the wealth of God. And when we draw from that, we draw from the very grace and love of God. He will never, ever stop loving you. 
no matter how much you go to other resources and other affections, he will draw you back because he wants you to understand the great glorious inheritance you've already received by, the, by his son. Paul prays that you would know him better. He needs you to behold who he is, the Father's love, how deep and wide he loves you, how he's already settled in his heart. He's for you, not against you. He said, Paul prays that you would know him, know the hope of your calling to which we're that glorious inheritance and that incomparable, incomparably the power that comes from Christ. So now I want to go back to what he says, therefore. Let's go back to the beginning of Ephesians 1. We're going to start in verse 3 to verse, uh, verse 3, 5, 7, and 8, and then we're going to go right to verse 14. We're going to do this in the front here, and I'm going to share a little bit just to give you tidbits. You know, this I can preach a whole year on just this chapter. It is so full. That's why I'm encouraging you, I'm challenging you to go and do a word study. To go and spend time pondering and beholding and experiencing it for yourself. Because when this becomes a reality, your identity changes, your perception changes. And he says this in verse 1, uh, verse, uh, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Blessed us in the heavenly realms with what? Every spiritual blessing in Christ. This means here, heavenly realms means the invisible realm that surrounds our daily situation. I was told once that when we were actually in the world, we were in one realm, one kingdom, one ki kingdom that, that was dark. And then when we, we were rescued from that kingdom, we were put into the kingdom of light, kingdom of God. And from there, what happens is now we have two kingdoms. We still live out our life. We still have our burdens and our cares and our responsibilities. But beloved, you and I are rich beyond measure. Because when I am faced with daily problems, the physical realm, I know I can go into the spiritual realm and get all of the wisdom, all of the answers I can get. That is part of my rich blessing in Christ, that I can go to the spiritual realm for the solution. That's why just regular counseling doesn't work, because they leave out the spiritual part. The spiritual is the solution to our problems, our personal problems, our spiritual problems, our family problems, our marriage problems. God has a solution through Christ for you and I. Then he says, spiritual blessings, they're divine privileges that are given to us and resources now. I don't have to wait to heaven to get those. It is now in Christ that I can actually tap into them. He predestined us to be adopted as his son through Jesus Christ, that's verse 5, in accordance with his pleasure and his will. In him, we have redemption through blood, through his blood, his forgiveness, the, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace. See, the cross is not a tragedy. It is a place of our greatest victory. We see the cross as tragedy, tragedy but it isn't. It is what Jesus needed to do to reconcile us back to God, to break down the sin issue in our lives so that we can commune to God and raise us up again from a place of death. So from there, we get all that we need 
in Christ. And then he goes on in 8, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Lavish, you know, glorious. And Are you getting the bigness of this? And then he goes on in verse 11. In him, we were also chosen. You see, when we don't believe that God can love us the way we are, we just don't understand our riches. We are chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity to the purpose of his will. That means he never changes his mind. He doesn't give up on us. He keeps on pursuing us because he loves us. That's just the God that we have. That's part of the riches and the blessing that we have. Verse 13, he says, actually 12, it says, in order that we who were the first uh, to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And in 13, he says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. This is not temporary. That means he lives within us. He's going nowhere. You see, when we have no assurance, when we lose confidence, when we think that God has departed and he's, 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 he's forsaken us, you kind of have forgotten that these things are impossible to God. When we're in Christ, these things are sealed. They're guaranteed that the Holy Spirit will carry us until we get home. Now, we may goof, and we may not let him lead, and for that, we un unfortunately, we forfeit all of that rich blessing. We forfeit it. But he never forfeits that blessing because the son did exactly what he was told to do to redeem humanity back to God. And when we go in Christ, that means everything we have. So when we fight the, the mind battle, we're not good enough, and God will never forgive us, these are all thoughts. Or I have to do this alone. You know, God, I made my mess, therefore i got to clean it. Oh, my goodness, you are not mindful of your riches. Because we all do things we should not be doing. Praise be to God. We are people who are under grace and we are forgiven. We are chosen. We are qualified. We are wanted. We are loved. We have been given all in Christ. But we live like we have to struggle and keep on praying and doing these things when we know all we have to do is believe what is already ours. So we are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. You see who guarantees it? It's not me. So it's not because I read my word that I get the inheritance. It helps me because it gets me to understand it. It's not that I come to church that I get my inheritance because that's not how I get it. It's through him that I get it. And he says here, until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So the key is in him. So you need to ask yourself, are you in him? We've been blessed with every blessing because we are his family. We are God's children. In him, we are marked with a seal, guaranteeing our inheritance, not through our own efforts. or What it's a guarantee is through the Holy Spirit. Our responsibility lies on our ability to let him lead Next week, we're going to go and talk about what is remaining look like. What, why is that so many of us stay in that place of poverty despite that life has been spoken to us? Truth has been spoken to us. Promises have been given us. God has actually set in motion something in our life. In him carries two truths. 
truth of the believer's position. That means I'm positioned in God because I'm in union with Jesus. I drink coffee in the morning. It comes to me black. I don't like black coffee. My son has tried many times to get me off the cream. Mom, get off the cream. No. Black coffee comes to me black. Cream comes to me white. What do I do? I put my cream in my coffee, and the coffee turns what? Brown. It's a nice color, rich. Oh, my goodness. I'm just, mm, okay, I'm going off there. But so, <laughs> so here I am. I have my coffee. Black and, and, not black, but it's brown now. And I'm walking into the living room to do my devotions. Does it spread? Does it, does it separate? It can't separate. It's union together. My black coffee and my cream are together. Nothing can separate them. Are you getting where I'm going with this? When you're in Christ, that means you're unified with Christ. That means you're in union with him. Nothing can separate that. But when we don't believe this and we fall short of the glory of Christ, what we think is that God has given up on us. No, sir. Can we forfeit the blessings and the privilege and all of these things that are ours in our standing? Yes, we can. But in our position, nothing can change that because Jesus did it all on our side. I want to show you something that I believe that if we, we understand today, I can't do it any justice, but I'm going to build on it in the weeks to come. I want you to see this. In the scriptures, it says, 1 Corinthians 15, 22, for as in Adam, all died. So in Christ, all will be made alive. Now, everyone in the world are either in Adam or in Christ. No one at this particular place can claim to know God. Because when we are born, we're born with our spirit that is dead. That's why when we talk about the born again experience, is that our spirit becomes born again alive. And it's in that spirit that we can actually commune with God. So before the cross, you see the cross? Before the cross, we are in Adam. The scriptures are very clear to us in Ephesians 4. Our minds are darkened. We cannot understand and we are excluded from the life of God so it doesn't matter if I go to church seven days a week I might know him by experience by knowledge but I would never be able to commune with him because my spirit is dead I was born in Adam all of us were born in Adam until we get to the cross the cross is a place of hope. It's a place of life. That's where I become, my spirit becomes alive. That's what he says in Colossians 3. I was made alive in Christ. And that is that circle there. See here, when we are here on this side, this is the corrupted human nature. It is resistant to God. And even though that we desire to know God, I mean, I went to church all the time before I came to the cross, but there was such a distance because my spirit wasn't alive and I didn't have a new divine spirit in me. I was unable to commune with God even though I cried out and God's common grace would come and meet me because you see, he's common to everyone because he loves humanity, but he only only gave us one way and it's the way through the cross to get to the father we don't get to the father by our good works we don't get to the father by how much we do the rituals and all of the things that we do in church we only get to the father through jesus 
He's the one that died. He rose again, and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And for you and I, that's good news. It is good news because here, now, today, I'm in Christ. And in the middle of my being, I have the spirit that is alive now that I can commune with God and I'm more aware with him. It's actually, I'm, I, it's there because now I could. And the Holy Spirit is the new nature. Coupled with the new nature, what happens is that God develops a new heart, new ways. He gives me a new life, a new family. He puts me in a new kingdom. I'm a new citizen. I have value. I have significance because God created me and now he's wholly content because the Mona who was in Adam is now in Christ and now he can give me all of the spiritual blessings that he wanted to from the beginning and so he pours out that glorious inheritance on me not because I do it good but because I am in Christ if anyone is in Christ the old has gone and the new is here it is amazing that whoever believes that he died and rose again shall be saved. Whoever believes that he's Savior and Lord shall be given a new path. So many of us, we resist that very simple message. We trust in ourselves to get us through. But when we trust in ourselves, beloved, and we don't go to the cross for our answer, then we stay on this side and it won't matter how many good works you go when you get to heaven because Jesus is not in you. You will not be recognized by God. But when I get to heaven because Jesus is in me, I'll be recognized by God. And so we need to understand that fundamental thing that he says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. That's what Jesus said. It's red letter. He said it. I can't change it. But we have changed the rules on God. And God wants us to know today that he doesn't want any of his children to be beggars anymore. He doesn't want any of his children to be spiritual in poverty. He wants us to walk in that inheritance. All of it is out of love. All of it is out of love for his glory. So when I walk around knowing that I'm a child of God, I'm graced, I'm near to him, I am new, I'm a citizen, I'm a fellow heir, I, I, I'm part of the church, I'm rooted, I'm grounded, I'm filled, I'm chosen, I'm adopted, I'm redeemed, I'm forgiven, I'm righteous. Oh my goodness, I am sealed, I am strengthened, I have mercy. I am alive and I am free. I might not feel it today, but according to these scriptures, I am what I am because of Christ. Are you getting it? All of this rich inheritance speaks of security, authority, and power for all those who choo choose Jesus. Now let's try to imagine the impact of this news in our life. Not only are we saved by grace, we are equal, privileged, no inferior standing before God, and we are destined one day to be enthroned with Christ, sharing his glory when he comes again. You see, when we, don't, when we feel inferior to some other Christian, we say, well, God can't love me because of, look at the way I am, I'm so ugly. See, you really don't understand. God can't see you as ugly. 
because he didn't make a mistake when he created you. He can't see you as unloved because he already set in motion that pattern and he showed it through the cross. So we need to understand that we have equal privilege. You see, just because I'm here and I've preached and I, I've spoken to you know, many people, the fact is, is that when God looks at us at the cross, we're all equal. We're all equal. What makes it different for you and me is how we participate in it. Who we let lead, that's it. It's nothing complicated. But now we are at this place. When we are rooted in his spiritual wealth and we start walking in this matter that reflects an inheritance, this is what we become in Ephesians 2.10. We are, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, that we should walk in them. And if you needed further evidence of what this rich inheritance is all about, that you're truly blessed here today, not because you have everything figured out, but because Jesus already figured it out for you. When we see this in Ephesians 1.11, when he says, in him we are also chosen, having been predestined, it means that it's a pre-plan. That God has already made a plan so that nobody goes to hell. We choose hell, buddy. We choose hell because we resist anybody who can control our lives. We have issues with that. But yet when I think about how I controlled my life and where I ended up, obviously none of us do a good job, do we? And God says, trust me, I love you so much that everything that I have for you is for your best. Trust me. Trust my heart for you. It says, according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity to his purpose of his will. It's predestined assurance of an appointed plan. It's a guaranteeing destiny for all the redeemed. God's eternal unchanging plan we can bank on every day. It establishes a confidence, a strong purpose in our life. And so when we walk in the darkest time of our moments, when their trials are so intense and our fears just, fears just want to swallow us up, we need to remember where we stand. We need to remember that you have been called out for something greater. So how do we move from a place of poverty? How do we move from this place of poverty? That's why we hear in verse 17 when Paul starts praying for the people. He was praying that God would open their hearts to understand. I wanted to share a story. I'm not too sure if I should, but I think I have to. There's this guy that's called Harry Ironside. He tells of a story of a time when he was first beginning as a pastor as a young man. And he went home to California to visit his family and found a man living nearby who was from Northern Ireland. He was very, very sick, and he had come to California in hopes that the weather would give him some respite from the disease that he had. He lived on his, home, on his own in a tent beside his house. He never lived in the house. He stayed in the tent by his choice, close to a, an olive tree. And he remembered seeing this old man, you know, the worn face, and, but the peace of heaven that was so clearly seen in this man that was shriveled up and hurt and he was wounded and he was diseased and yet he saw the peace of heaven all over him. His name was Andrew Fraser. He could barely speak above a whisper for his lungs were almost gone. From Ironside, what he remembers is that when he introduced himself, he said to this, to, to Ironside, what, what do you do, young man? 
do you actually preach Christ? And he said, yes, I do. Well, the old man said, why don't you sit down with me and let us talk? Let us sit down and let us talk together about the word of God. He opened his well-worn Bible and until, until his strength was gone, simply, sweetly, and earnestly, he opened up truth after truth as he turned from one passage to another in a way that Ironside had never yet seen for himself. Before Ironside realized it, there was tears running down his face, and he asked, where did you get all of these truths? Who showed you these truths? Did you go to seminary? Did you go to school? Did you learn them from somebody? He said, I will never forget the answer I was given by this older man. He says, my dear young man, I learned these truths on my knees in the mud, in, in the mud floor in a little sod cottage in Northern Ireland. There, with my Bible open before me, I used to kneel for hours at a time to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal Christ to me new every day. He opened the word and he asked God, open my heart that I may know who you are. He taught me more on my knees on that mud floor than I ever could have learned in seminary or college. This man had a spirit of wisdom and revelation that comes from spending time in the Word. Spending time getting to know God. We are so busy and distracted, beloved, we push Him out and forfeit the blessing and the rich inheritance that we have because we are unaware that we live it. We are unaware that we have it. We're unmindful of what has already been given to us through Christ. So Paul says in Ephesians 1, 15, 20, he says, he prays that all believers might progress towards maturity and fully appreciate the greatness and power of their salvation, a power which assumes, and it should be assumed in the demonstration of their life. And then he goes on, and I'm finishing with this. He prays for people to receive the spirit of wisdom. That's the practical, workable principles that we get that we can play out in our lives. You know, beloved, we, are, we, we, we question God all the time. We, we don't spend any time waiting for an answer. We don't cultivate our relationship. That is why we were called out of darkness and into light. That's why when you are in Christ, it's about that relationship now. It's about you determining that you will learn everything that he has for you and you will seek him. The idea behind revelation is that our knowledge of Christ and understanding of God's purpose and power becomes real to us. It would impact the way we see, wouldn't it? It would impact how we did life, wouldn't it? Because if it doesn't, then the Christianity that I'm preaching is not really based on truth, is it? Or is that that we have actually never really understood it for ourselves? That we just come here on Sunday and just take my cake, my icing, my food, 
and you don't take that time to learn it from you. Today, in the days that we are living in, we need to become seekers of the right things. We are all seekers here today. We seek those things that will make us happy, make us fulfilled, take away the pain, take away the anxiety, the fear, all of those things. But what we do not seek is the right for the Lord to sit at his throne in our lives and not understanding that every time we say no to him, we're saying no to God's inherited, that, that glorious inheritance. We're saying no to the power, to the grace, to the abilities, to all of these things that he's given us, the peace, the joy. It doesn't make sense when you put it that way, does it? In Christ, all of these spiritual blessings come to us by virtue of our union with Jesus. So we have a choice. We can live out life believing that we are alone in this Christian journey, and I've just told you, you are not. You have been sealed, marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. And because of that, there's a guarantee that all of this inheritance that I'm just, just touching a little bit today will become really real to you as you keep on seeking, keep on being quiet before him and waiting. And instead of rushing in your fear and anxiety, pushing things through, what would it be to wait and discover what he's really saying to you in your time alone? Your heavenly Father wants you to understand your inheritance. It is only in the pages of the Bible that we are to discover this rich, glorious things. And then the best way, the best way we can do that is the spending of the time. You don't have to search for them. They're already yours. They're there. You just have to learn more about them. I want you to stand. First Corinthians says this, no eye has seen, no ear has er heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Today, I believe the church has a love issue. We love ourselves, our entertainment, our life, our comfort more than we love God. And so we see all over the world, Christians are spiritually in poverty begging for more when they don't realize they already have it. But I truly believe that many of us have embraced lies about God, lies about ourselves, lies about sin, lies about circumstances that have so paralyzed us that we can't move forward. You see, the Bible tells us you are loved and you are chosen. And it is time that we become seekers of the one who has already laid down his life for you. It is time that we go to our right resources to get our answers because in the days to come, there won't be, well, I didn't know because you do know. Oh, I didn't have time because you do have time. Oh, I just wasn't sure. No, you can be sure. In Christ, all has already been settled for you. And so we do have a love issue. And if this is where you are today, and you want to become a seeker of the things of God, God says, come to me, all you are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Many of you need rest. Many of you are seeking, but you don't go to the right places to seek, beloved. This is where you go.
So I'm going to leave the altar open to you today so that you can come seeking and asking God for whatever that is on your heart. If something really penetrated and was made real to you today, come and bring that to God and ask the Holy Spirit to solidify these truths in you because let me tell you, as soon as you leave, the enemy will come and try to snatch the truth out because that's what he does. We need to be firm on this, beloved. In the days to come, we need to know what our standing is because all hell will be broken loose and we need to know the authority doesn't come because I get it right. It comes because of Jesus who's in me. Amen? Take that time. Thank you so much for hearing this, for listening. Let God speak to you this morning.